Hey, everybody. Welcome to Roger and Me, a.k.a. Roger Ebert and Me, a movie review podcast and tribute to Siskel and Ebert, in which myself, Brett Arnold, and my co-host, Mark Dusick of markreviewsmovies.com review all the movies that come out every Friday. That is the aim of the podcast. Uh, given certain parameters, we fall. We are very good at that, and sometimes we fall short. But Mark at markreviewsmovies.com never falls short. You can go there for all the stuff we miss on the show. But this week, we have a pretty robust list, actually. There are seven movies we're talking about, and even though there's only arguably one that is a mainstream-wide release. Uh, we've got The Marvels, of course, which I did see. I caved. I know everyone last week heard me get all hoity-toity about how I'm done with Marvel and I don't care. I have a daughter now. My time is valuable. I said, fuck that. Uh, but you know why? Because my daughter, my beautiful daughter, her first words were, Daddy, will you please see the Marvels? I I need to support women, so I had to go see the movie. Everyone understands, I'm sure. Uh, but besides the Marvels, there's also Priscilla, which Mark reviewed, I think, two weeks ago, but I got around to seeing this week. And The Killer, which I was thankful, very glad to see it in a theater. But that is now on Netflix, the new David Fincher movie. Very excited to talk about that. There's a new Christmas horror film, it's a Wonderful Knife that has a moderately wide release. It's not as limited as I expected. You can definitely go see It's a Wonderful Knife in theaters. But should you? We'll warn against it, I think. Uh, All Dirt Roads, Taste of Salt, a nice festival-style indie movie we'll talk about. Uh, Angus Cloud starring movie. Uh, rest in peace, Angus Cloud, uh, actor from Euphoria, star of this movie, Your Lucky Day. He is no longer with us. And uh, a little sci-fi satire called Share? Question mark. That's how I'm pronouncing it, at least. Um, I just really railed through all that we're going to talk about. Uh, I want to say, as always, please rate and review on Apple and on Spotify. We got a new one this week, Mark, and it was very thoroughly embarrassing to me specifically, but they still gave us five stars. So thank you. Uh, it's, you know, humble yourself. Do a podcast every week where you just talk out of your ass saying whatever and realize without realizing you're mispronouncing words all the time because you've only learned about them in print and never spoken them aloud. It's happened a lot, apparently, over the years on my other show. It's already happening here. Uh, interminable. I know that now. Thank you. Interminable. Uh <laughs> What? How's it going, Mark? It's good. I saw that. I saw that review. I just want to make sure that was the one because I'm like, was it that? Yes. I mean, whatever. It was yeah, a very nice just, review. You can always, you can always tell, and it's nobody's fault. You can always tell people read words and they're not sure how to pronounce them, or they've heard them and they don't know how to spell them. It happens, and then you learn. You live, yeah, you learn. It's good. The limits of being educated mostly online, you know? I mean, I went I... to school. I went <laughs> I went to college. But I feel like a lot of the big words that, you know, you go, what is that? And you look it up and you go, mm, I get it. And you use it online all the time. And you write it in reviews because you understand what it means. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you think you're smart and educated. <laughs> and you, you realize you've been very confidently wrong <laughs> about a lot of things. I called it... Uh, the uh, biographic pictures. What, what did I call them for years? Uh, biopics? Biopic? Uh, biopic. Anyway, I call everyone, them biopic. Everyone says, there's a lot of people who say biopic. I think how you, I, that's I what wrote, it looks like. 
I once said ennui as like NUI because I don't know any better. <laughs> uh, you know, it always learning. It happens. I wanted to put it out there. We're just we're just people. We are on the other end of this show. And uh, we're nobodies. Uh, no, I don't want to put Mark in there with me. I'm a nobody. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm a nobody. It's okay. <laughs> uh, MarkReviewsMovies.com. He's been reviewing movies since 2001. Check them all out. There's an archive. Uh, I've been reviewing movies since, I guess, wow, 2014, since I moved to New York and started doing it for Business Insider. But I've been doing it regularly on this show for a little over, uh, what, a year and a half now or something like that. We're rearing up on a year and a half. Uh, the preamble's done. We're getting right into the show now. What we do is we talk about movies in short bursts because there's so many of them that we can only do short little capsule reviews. So here's a capsule review. We're gonna we're gonna operate at the same pace that the Marvels does, which is just to keep things going. We're not gonna stop and introduce characters or explain convoluted plot elements. No, we're just gonna keep going. Here's the trailer for the Marvels. Carol Danvers, prodigal child of the Milky Way. Nick Fury. My favorite one-eyed man of intrigue. How goes it out there? I don't know. Cold, no air, space. Captain Marvel. The Annihilator. You took everything from me. And now I'm returning the favor. Take it away, Mark. You did your homework, so I'll let you start. Because I, I showed up to class having not done my homework. I feel like you might have had the better experience having <laughs> not done any homework. Because, I I mean, I, I think... Did you grow up reading comic books? Because I did. I grew up reading comic books. I did. I was really into Batman specifically. But yes, I read comic books. Yeah. So there were times you would jump into an issue of something, and there would be a whole bunch of stuff that would be have been set up in some other series or something else and you just had yeah. to go along with it or you know not understand what's happening either either you go along with whatever is set up or you just don't get it and this feels like that that there is this whole other backstory going on with the miss marvel tv show i think a bit with secret invasion i watched secret invasion too and i don't think i needed to because there's nothing in there that really fits in this that i could tell so whatever, I did extra homework. Apparently, you, oh, all, you you're the guy who does the extra credit. Yeah, whoops, that was my <laughs> bad. So, because it's not a good show either. That's the problem. It was not good. Um, okay. So anyway, there's all this stuff. I caught up with it, and as soon as I sat down and watched it, and Miss Marvel shows up, and they kind of explain what she had done. I'm like, well, I didn't really need to watch it there are a couple of lines of dialogue where you're, you're like oh the, I, at one point I, I managed to travel through space and time with this gauntlet like okay cool and then if you watch miss marvel you understand what that means but that's it you could sit down yeah. and watch this you're gonna like, feel a little confused i imagine yes, yes i like i don't know why or how she saved jersey city like she did in the show presumably but like they yeah. allude to that um, I had zero fucking idea who the third Captain Rambo lady is or was. Yeah, Monica they, Rambo. 
they make clear that like she got her magic in <laughs> WandaVision. Yes, and I didn't watch that either. So like, well, but like, you're right. The fact that it's comic booky does kind of excuse the fact that you're jumping into this movie with this movie does not set up those characters at all. Like it just no. truly just like and I would ground running. Uh, my big point is I would argue that the TV shows don't do a good job of setting up those characters either, except <laughs> to establish the fact that they have powers like Monica Rambo and WandaVision. She's a major character, but she's in the background. She's you know she's an auxiliary of everything that's happening i just watched all of this movie and i still don't know what the fuck all of her her powers are really because they're no i don't either i didn't get it either i (laughs) it's like she can become translucent sort of and but she sets it up as i can see light but what does that have to do with turning translucent and being able to have things move through you anyway let's get to the point real quick yeah let's get to the point the point for me is that this movie has clearly been edited down to the point mm-hmm. that it's borderline nonsensical. Borderline's actually doing a lot of work there that it doesn't need to do. This movie is fucking nonsense. It is utter, complete gobbledygook. And for me, the fact that it's that and not the usual two and a half hour fare for Marvel, I thought it was like, I enjoyed it much more than a lot of other Marvel movies, mostly because... Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, is so charming and energetic. And that energy carries really silly and fun action set pieces. It helps the really silly side quests to like a Bollywood style singing planet go over well. It has all these silly things going on and it never fucking stops to explain what's going on at all to a point where if it did slow down, you'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> what is any of this? What is this jump points and the Cree and this and that? But it just keeps moving. So you have no choice, as you said, when reading a comic, but just to get on board. And I got on board. And the highest compliment I can give this movie, Mark, is that it made me want to check out Miss Marvel, which I, I, I is the one Marvel show a lot of people say is actually good. And maybe you disagree. But I've heard like the character is charming. I was charmed. I liked the dynamic between her and Captain Marvel, she's like a super fan who's kind of, you know, involved now. And she's like squealing with delight to be in the same room with her. And she sells it and it shouldn't work, but it does. The movie is so patchwork that I feel like Brie Larson gets the short end of the stick here. She just gets to do nothing but like stern glances. She doesn't really have any personality at all, I thought. Um, but I really liked Miss Marvel. I, I, I didn't understand like nothing like this movie makes no sense. I'm pretty sure. I don't think it was just me not paying attention or something. It genuinely feels like nonsense. Did you feel that way too? Uh, no, I mean, I yes and no. So the, the whole, the gimmick, the gimmick is the three Marvel uh, superheroes swap places when they use their powers. Occasionally when they use their powers. sometimes when they use their powers, they don't switch places. I guess there's like a, like a refresh rate on it. You have to wait a certain amount of time before you switch powers. Yeah, they're pretty fast and loose the rules here. A little bit. Yeah, there's a whole montage of them figuring out how it works, and they never explain to us how it works. And I'm kind of okay with that, because as long as the characters know what they're doing, you have to kind of trust. Again, you have to trust that that they know what they're doing and that the story is going to at least get somewhere. And I had quite a bit of fun with the stuff that is silly and goofy and you are dead on about Iman Vellani as Kamala Khan. She is just delightful. And I, my big complaint with a lot of superhero movies, is they take themselves too seriously. So having this character who is just in awe of the very 
idea that she's a superhero and that she's hanging out with these people that she knows about. Like she, the first time she even sees Nick Fury, she goes crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's, like it's funny. Why? Like, oh my goodness, you're in, you're here. I know you. I know you. It's so great having that level of energy, and it does help a lot with this movie and help it carry through with that momentum of having this plot that is a little nonsense. But who cares? Because the gimmick yes, is it's fun. funny and it's, it's fun. fun. And it allows for that really fun action set piece. Maybe just one, I think. I don't think there's a lot of going on with like the they're switching places and it's crazy stuff. But that one action set piece is fun. When it's chaos and so they don't know what's happening. That yeah. that I think that's the one yes. you're talking about. Yes. Like they're going between with like Kamala Khan's space station. Yeah, and Kamala yeah, Khan's her living room. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And um and but some like, planet. That yeah. that living room element is an is part of i mean i really enjoyed all that stuff but it just made me very aware of how these movies look like tv now like this movie looks like a sitcom more than it looks like a very cinematic exciting blockbuster and it didn't cost sitcom money it cost hundreds of millions of dollars so the visual effects problem at marvel i would say is still a thing and this one has it's just oh, cgi boy. everything everything cgi they can't even there's one shot of the cat in this that's not cgi Every other shot of the cat is CGI. And it's just crazy that, you know, I complained a million times about the aesthetic or the, the choice to spend an ungodly amount of money for your movie to look this bad when you could just like go to a location. Um, but it looks like that. And that's what it is. I'll never forgive Marvel for turning blockbuster cinema into TV because they can't have room between the TV shows and this, I guess. They have to look the same. I don't know. But that did bother me. I thought the movie looked pretty bad. But I do mean it when I say I prefer cut to ribbons versus bloated as far as like the movie, not really, you know, it, it, it you, you, you agree. It's like slapdash. It I, is I slapdash. Imagine. It is yeah. definitely slapdash. Okay. I, I, I'm confused by why they have the generic villain and the generic villain oh, plot trying to destroy the so world again. The generic I've, villain. I agree. I literally forgot about her while we were talking. It, it's completely yeah, forgettable. It's, that's pointless. it's so pointless. So unnecessary to have it, that plot, but it has to be in here because apparently it's a superhero movie. So you need the villain who has some grand plan that's going to destroy at least one planet at this yeah, point. And you know what? I actually like the backstory there and it's informed by Captain Marvel. I think the, the idea that like this person, basically her planet was genocided by Captain Marvel and she's like seeking revenge. There's like trenchant, interesting ideas in that. And the movie just doesn't grapple with them at all. Like, and then, and then another planet gets genocided in the middle of the movie and they never mention it again. Like, doesn't that yeah. singing planet, and they leave in the middle of blown up. They leave, <laughs> they leave in the middle of an apocalypse and it never comes up again. <laughs> and like all the Marvel movies that have been, multiversity have felt very rick and morty to me but the idea of like captain marvel having that 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 joke about her having like a relationship with the prince on that planet and how she's married she's a princess and they all worship her that felt very rick and morty subplot just random yeah, aside, random aside like oh by the way rick is the the, the god of these people it it just reads <laughs> they only sing <laughs> And they, they only, only sing, sing by the and way. I, but I love the only singing thing, and I wish they I did actually I had a musical good. number. There's like one singing scene. Well, there is the other musical number that's taken from another musical, which I thought was oh, there's the a, Barbara Streisand the comedic song? horror. Yes, the comedic horror element that See, gets. That's what I mean by the only accompaniment. Yes, 
inspired silliness. That was inspired yes. silliness. Like the cats yes. and the transportation. I'm not going to spoil it. There's a really yeah. great cat bit in this. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's fun stuff in here, but it's definitely like, I don't even know if I'm going to give this two and a half or three yet on this show. Like it is very two and a half y, but I definitely yeah. enjoyed it. And like maybe this, this is like the ce- ceiling for these movies for me now is like, they don't have to be good. They just have to entertain me. And this one entertained me enough while showing it seems and showing the fact that it's like barely a movie, I thought. And um, I, yeah, I don't know. It feels at the same time like it's delivering all it can, but it also feels like it's missing a ton. Like all mm-hmm. the trenchant backstory for Captain Marvel and why she, or her destroying that planet and how she feels about it and the people that she killed and the she basically inspired like an ISIS style resurgence on her on that planet or whatever. So like I want them to mine these ideas, but then at the same time I was glad that they didn't do anything, and then the movie just zips by with like a you know kind of like a space adventure movie. Um, so I don't know. You're two and a half. I'm two and a half on it, and that's mainly the the downside is the villain. I and yeah. and all that. It's trying to cram all that stuff that you were talking about about. Captain Marvel's backstory and how she's reacting to the fact that she basically destroyed an entire culture and how does she deal with that and having the <laughs> yeah. villain come back and that's like at in the last 20 minutes or so that's when they address oh by the way all of that happened and she needs to reconcile with that fact and yeah. try to figure out a way to fix it like oh but this the movie hasn't been about Captain Marvel and you're right she has been sidelined which isn't a bad thing I like I like Brie Larson in general, and I like yeah. her in this role. I Academy Award-winning actress, Brie Larson. She's great in general. I think her yeah. work in Captain Marvel is um, pretty good, actually. She's yes. doing a lot of things in that role yes. that a lot of people did overlooked because of a whole bunch of stupid political shit. But uh, anyway, yeah. beyond that, um, yeah, but here she doesn't get to do much, and that's that's too bad, but I, I don't care because I really do like Miss Marvel. I like the tone of it. But as soon as it becomes that generic, yeah, predictable, formulaic comic book superhero yeah. storyline that we've seen so many times, I just I zoned out and I couldn't. It didn't quite pass the muster for me. So I'm it, at two and a half. You know, I'm going to stick with you at two and a half, but I want people to know it's very much a three out of five from both of us, if that means anything. <laughs> yes, if, if that means I, and it is. I mean, it's not going to mean anything because I think everybody hated it, but it's it's much better than Quantum Mania. Yes, um, it is much better than Quantumania. And it is a bummer that I haven't checked the box office yet. I'm assuming the numbers came in and that they're not good or whatever. Uh, $6 million Thursday. How does that bode? I, I haven't I read have, this article yet. I just I don't know. I'm not going to do it. We're not going <laughs> to parse it right now. But um, uh, I feel like, it, you know, the movie had this really bad buzz going into the week, uh, the week of release. It was like... Uh, the movie's gonna you know the last one made a billion dollars but this one is not going to and the last one opened to 150 million this one's tracking to open to like 65 or whatever so like it has all this baggage and that's it's not it's on it sucks that it comes with all this marvel studios baggage because of the narrative around what they've been doing and the quality of the movies because i think this one is better than the last I don't know. Couple fuel. Well, Guardians of the we Galaxy. Both, we both yeah. like Guardians. Yeah. Guardians. That, but this feels like an outlier. Guardians is an outlier. The guy who made it is a DC filmmaker now. No. <laughs> it's like a joke that he went over. It, it's not. There was a great article about how Marvel's rudderless right now, and it's like it's not lost on anyone here that James Gunn came in and made the only successful Marvel movie of the year or whatever. Um. Anyway, 
that's neither here nor there. The movie, I'm acknowledging it's a mess, but I had fun with it. And it's still a two and a half, but it's an affectionate two and a half. Uh, it has some fun stuff in it. But yeah, it definitely everything Mark said is true about the generic nature of it. Uh, let's move on to a movie that I can't stop thinking about. And the more I think about it, the more I am infatuated with it. Uh, David Fincher's The Killer. I find music a useful distraction. A focus tool. Keeps the inner voice from wandering. This is what it takes. My process is purely logistical. If I'm effective, it's because of one simple fact. I don't give a God, I love this movie, Mark. And I think... I don't know if you even agree. I'm interested to talk about it so much because I feel like this is... It's such a great satire that a lot of people just aren't going to read at all as a satire because it definitely plays as just a straightforward thriller. But like the character is this hitman and like it's informed by all these hitman is, you know, the archetype that we know from movies and he's calm, cool, collected type shit. And he thinks he's hot shit and he knows he's hot shit. He's got his own methodology, but this movie is saying that that's bullshit. And this guy's an idiot and he's he had one job to do and he fucked it up and now it's all the fallout from the job and he he preaches the movie is con, is basically his monologue him thinking one thing him preaching one thing and then doing the exact opposite the entire movie and it's so fun and it's so funny and it's such a taut exactly what you want from David Fincher returning to serial killer shit like you know slick and really well edited and beautiful to look at, visually pleasing. It delivers in like the thriller mode, but I was dying laughing in the satire of it all. And then there's also a meta layer that you can read as like, you know, this character is very much like David Fincher, a very meticulous man, stuff like that. You could read that it's like a mea culpa, uh, a guy who just had one botched job, uh, something called Mank, perhaps. And this is him trying to react to that. So like, I think it's so, so rich and that I've only scratched the surface with one viewing. And I just think it's so cool that it can operate as a straightforward thriller that's just like a hitman botching a job and tying off the loose ends. But it also functions as a you know, critique of capitalism, late-stage capitalism, in the same way that Fight Club was about you know our consumer culture at the time and how we are what we buy at Ikea and all that shit. This movie's an updated take on that. In 2023, he works out of an abandoned WeWork and he buys his tech on Amazon and he just is anonymous in the world. And it's definitely a statement on this guy being able to slink around undetected and shit like that. It is kind of sneakily brilliant. The more I think about it, the more I love it. What did you think of this movie? I No, I definitely caught on to the satire elements and that was what landed for me the most is that you have this character who thinks he is so special and at every turn the movie knocks him down and says no you're not you can't even do the one thing you're supposed to do right and then spends the rest of the movie 
constantly screwing up and also <laughs> constantly doing weird things that don't make any sense. Like he will kill a random cab driver for no reason. But you have to make sure the dog is alive because right. it's almost as if the guy knows he is in a movie and that people are watching him. And that's yes. and that's kind of the reaction to everything that he does is he's he's doing it for an audience that doesn't exist, but does exist. It's really funny on that level. There's some really great gallows humor, obviously, like the whole <laughs> the whole thing with the recycling bin yep, is a hilarious. great bit that, that keeps lady getting laughing. funnier as it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. lady laughing is amazing. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think what else. Tilda Swinton scene. I, yep. I love all of the. I love all the ancillary characters who just pop in, have like a single scene, and nail it exactly uh-huh. the tone and everything no, that they're supposed to do. No pun intended. Yeah, no pun intended. I just forgot. It's been a couple <laughs> weeks since I saw it. I didn't even realize that was a pun. But yes. Um. But yeah, they come in and they just get those scenes exactly what they need to do. There's even a guy who's just the brute who's there to sneak oh up on god. the guy. Oh my god! Great action sequence there. The coolest um, action were... scene Fincher's ever shot, probably. It's just so tactile, and you're getting thrown through yeah. glass and wind and walls. It is brutal. Brutality. It functions really well as a thriller, in addition to being funny, because I, Fincher yeah. is so good at, at getting this, you know, at staging all those scenes and knowing where to find the beats of humor and where to, and to make it feel as if you are getting <laughs> pummeled as all this is going on. It's yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun on that level too. Um, I don't, I mean, I know I don't like reading into movies about the filmmakers too much, but I think you have a point Mark, there with you the have job to. as, as much as I liked make, yes. which is not to say too and, much that I like make, but I yeah. did, but I know that it's, I know it's controversial that movie. it is, but at and, the same yeah. time it was Oscar nominated. So it's hard to say it's like a botched job, but like from his perspective, I understand why he would think that. And then Mark, you have to give it to me when you realize that the guy, when he ends up at the tech billionaire's house at the end, and it's like the big, the basically the big guy who did the contract, which is another hilarious subversion, I will say. Yeah. But that guy, just a metatextual level, it's not spoiling anything is played by the guy who played Louis B. Meyer in Meg. Oh, okay. That's like, right. He did. Oh, okay. Like, Fincher, if you asked him about this, he would smirk and say no. He, he has already done it to people. He will not read it that way. But he's a fucking... He's playing mind games. He's the most mind gamey guy on Earth. He absolutely didn't do that casting, that bit of casting on accident. I think that read is brilliant. There's another read that's like, you know, this being in not just in conversation with Fight Club, but with social network and you know about that like this guy's like he got that like tech bro grind set there's that nihilism the nothing matters i'm just an ant nothing i do matters in the grand scheme it's like it feels like it's another david fincher movie about a lonely dude and it's just like a modern version of that like the tech bro tech bro layover of that so it does feel like it could be a sequel to social network in those themey ways so i just think it's a very rich movie that i didn't mean to imply you didn't understand the satire mark i oh, no, I, I didn't i i just meant i, I yeah i didn't I, avoided. I, I just mean that like the the negative reviews if you were to read them they almost all say the same thing and none of them are engaging with it on that level they're all just like it's just a stock hitman movie i can't believe fincher would like deign to do this now like it's that's, not good th- see that's yeah that's weird because yeah i mean even if you don't make the filmmaker connection there's all those things happening on the yeah. screen of him yeah. screwing up constantly and all yes. that that dark humor that's happening it's more than just a thriller clearly yes, yes. uh just so cool 
I love this movie so much. I can't wait to watch it again. I'm so glad it's on Netflix. I'm at three and a half at the moment, but it could go up at any point. It's very exciting that there's a new David Fincher movie out there. It sucks that most people won't see it in the theater because it was a great theater experience. It's loud. The sound design's incredible. Um, but it's great. What was the last Fincher? I mean, oh, it was Mank. But what was the last was Fincher before <laughs> Mank? Before Mank, it had it. to was... have been like, uh, was it? It wasn't. Was it Gone Girl? It, um, it had been a long oh, time. I think that's You're true. Gonna make me look this. No, up. I looked it up. It what is Gone see? Girl. That's oh, so interesting. It's Gone Girl. Oh, so okay. like it's prolific to wow. you know. Or, or, he's not as prolific as he once was in that regard. And I just am so happy that we have a new one and it's out. And he has so many projects that he never made. So this one came through. It's an adaptation of a graphic novel, but like you'd never know it because he just like infused with such Fincherness. And it's written by the guy who wrote Seven and his freaking collab- old collaborator. It it rocks. If you're a Fincher head, I think you'll like it. If I feel like you know, if you th- if you're one of those people who saw it and thought nothing of it and didn't really get why it was cool, go back in thinking that the satire thing and how he's blowing it, and you'll th- see it as a comedy, and it'll be amazing. That's my that's my <laughs> review. And my yeah, cat too. Hello, hello. Oh, and now oh no, still there. Um, yeah, I liked it too. I'm giving it three stars. I'm kind of excited if I have some time to watch it again. Just because it is a fun time not really to look for anything much deeper than uh i saw the first time but just just to enjoy it because it is fun and next let's scrounge back two more weeks again mark for priscilla hi what's your name priscilla boyer you like elvis presley of course who doesn't one of the kids listening to these days bobby darren fabian you. <laughs> Just what is the intent here, Mr. Presley? You got women throwing themselves at you. Why my daughter? Well, sir, I happen to be very fond of your daughter. She's much more mature than her age. 21! Yeah. 22. What? That's 22. 22. You don't have to worry about it. Black hair and more eye makeup. I don't know if I like it. What do you mean you don't know if you like it? And there's the twist. Uh, Mark, tell me about Priscilla. It is the story of Elvis and Priscilla's uh, uh, relationship from Priscilla's point of view. And it's fascinating because it's directed by Sofia Coppola, who really understands how to use actors and spaces to tell a story in very minimalistic terms. And yet you still understand all of the emotional things going on and all the psychological things going on. And that's what this is. It is just about Priscilla Presley uh, played by Kaylee Spaney, who I don't know if I've seen before, but she's really good here. Unbelievable. And she's 25 and she like makes like, she acts like the 14 year old part. You totally believe it. It's unbelievable. Yeah. She's so, she's so good here. Um, yeah. And also really good is Jacob Elrody. Elrody, Elrody I think I it's a Lordy. Maybe I'm a wrong. Lordy. That makes yeah. a lot more sense. A Lordy yes. yeah. um, who plays Elvis just very charming and also gets at just this darkness there that you could t- because he's at this point, you know, he's on all the drugs. He's on all the all the amphetamines and the sleeping pills and just trying to, you know, live his life with pills just so he can keep functioning and he just flips on a switch. So it's a really fascinating performance on that end too, but it is mostly just about 
Priscilla Presley in Graceland doing nothing. And you would think she's the queen. I mean, if, if Elvis is the king, because we don't yeah. have monarchs in this country, but we have pop culture icons yes. who are like royalty. Yes. And if Elvis is the king, she's the queen. And what does the queen do? She sits around doing nothing. And it is yeah. so boring it's and a great, lonely. It's a great companion and, piece with, well, all of Sofia Coppola's filmography. Yeah. Specifically Marie Antoinette. Marie Antoinette somewhere, because somewhere is about a guy what yeah. it is hanging around in a hotel for a while. I mean, long you could time. call, as Paul Schrader said in his review of this movie, you could call this movie The Beguiled, and it would work. <laughs> yeah, that's, that would work too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I watched it, and I just, I mean, I can't say it's deep. It's just about no. how lonely it is being yes. second to the top of the world. And it's uncomfortable to watch, like, that grooming process in that first hour. Yeah, that first, too. First hour or whatever. Like, it's it's really well done, and it's, it's delicate, right? Because I wouldn't say the movie portrays Elvis as, like, the worst guy on the world. Like, that you kind of believe their love for each other. But it's definitely, you know, there's moments where... He's, you know, well, first of all, he starts feeding her drugs and he starts telling her that she doesn't look good at this and that. And he won't have sex with her for mysterious reasons. There's like all this stuff that's nefarious and insidious. And you don't really, you, you, you I don't know. It, it, it's very well handled, I thought. But at the same time, the movie was doing such a good job of, of showing you things that by the end, it started, I felt it just started telling you things like by the third act. I, I swear she literally just looks at him and says like we're living separate lives elvis and i'm like yeah okay thank you i got that but i i like the you know i like the actual ending and the music and all the music in it is great the choice to not use any elvis music is a great choice yeah there's uh, um he sings at the piano in one scene and there's a um music box version of yeah, love like, me tender that plays yeah. occasionally and that's it that's it for elvis music because it's not about elvis Yes, it's really it's all that stuff's really cool. And the and the casting decision, like the way he like lords over her and is so much taller than her, like even though that's not how he looked in real life, it's a great expressionistic, you know, way to convey the power dynamic. And it works really well. And it's unsettling. Um, The movie's good. And it's you're right. It's made by the performances. Something's keeping it keeping me from saying it's like terrific, but it's really good. And I really liked it. And maybe it's just because like it's, you know, you think you know what the movie's doing and you kind of do. It just is doing that. It's like this is the actual side of the relationship from her perspective and, you know, what it was like. And it just is that. Um, but it's uh, you really feel that she is out of control of her own life in that way that all protagonists in her movies and Sofia Coppola movies do. And, uh, you know, Gilded Cages, that's that's her thing. And this is another good example of one. And um, it reminded me weirdly, the Elvis, the way he, he plays Elvis reminded me of like, you know, Michael Jackson grooming the, his people. Like if you watch the Neverland documentary, like it, these people are like when they get rich and famous so young and stuff, they feel like they're stunted children. And there's something going on there with the young wanting to be with someone young. I feel like I don't know. Now I'm like hypothesizing yeah but there's a lot of yeah there's just a lot going on here it's a it's a good movie the performances make it it looks really lush and nice and uh this the anachronistic soundtrack works as it always does in a sofia coppola so it just sounds like man more of the same if you like sofia coppola you'll like it but it, that is kind of true uh but if you're just like a casual elvis person i wonder what like i have like elvis super i have an 
an Elvis super fan in my life. And I wonder what they would make of this, if they would be like appalled by it, you know? Um, but like, I felt it was very even handed and good movie. Three stars. Yeah. I'm giving it three too. I'm torn on my big, my big misgiving with it is how much you don't understand Priscilla outside of her relationship with Elvis. And part of me is like, there's a lot of jokes. I've noticed a couple of jokes yeah. on letterbox that it doesn't cover her naked gun year. So it's not a good movie. I'm like, that's a good it's kind of well, it's a joke but it's kind of a good point because you don't have any understanding of who yeah. she is outside of elvis and part of me is thinking yeah. that's unfortunate and part of me is like but that also highlights it's the meaningful. claustrophobic yes. feeling of yes. this relationship and of that dynamic and of the location of graceland and so i'm torn on that feeling i wish there was a bit more of priscilla beyond just i'm this optimistic you know in love girl and and then she hates her life. I wish there was a bit more, but I kind of get why you don't make that choice. Anyway, the point is I'm giving it three stars too. I think that my big hang up with it though is that you don't understand her outside of the relationship. And but I do understand why that is happening. Yeah, it's missing I re- something. It's you missing know what? something. It it it's I think it's the, I, I I more I think about it, the more I'm like, it just has a really great first half and then has nowhere to go. I think that's kind of that's kind of maybe that's yeah that. maybe that is all that it is but it's still worthwhile because yeah it is you you get that relationship you understand it and it's it's uncomfortable and it it shows you just how lonely fame can be but also how lonely yeah. trying to trying to fit yourself into the allure of fame and the power of fame can be because you can't you can't yes. be close to somebody who everybody in the world loves and adores yeah. and wants to be with you can't it's impossible. Oh, like that first half nails it when she's like a high schooler and dating elvis and has to go to class and just like try to do normal stuff and it's impossible and you you see how yeah. ridiculous it looks to try to do that um yeah i i do think that it might be the case where it just kind of runs out of things to do but yeah it, the movie is really mannered and controlled in that way and maybe that's part of it too all you could all say all of it it's all part of the dramatic uh, intent but there's don't don't you wish there was more sequences like that one where like the the room service trays are piling up and like they're just yeah. spending time together like yep it, i don't know maybe it's because you're like you want to romanticize the movie and the movie's actively like no don't <laughs> uh so maybe that's it but uh it's good it's good not great i think yep. is where we both landed okay um we can both agree this next one is neither of those things here is it's a wonderful knife angel falls i give you christmas the lights are so pretty this is perfect what did you eat Last Christmas still haunts me. Time to let that go. No one cares. Everyone would be better off if I was never born. Did you see that? Did the power go out? Oh my god. Do you get it? It's a wonderful knife. 
Um, that was the first is... time I heard that said out loud, and it really landed with the thud I expected it would. <laughs> well, I didn't know it was going to happen until you said it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because the only reaction to this movie that I had was, well, you clearly came up with that title and then retroactively worked out a script after the fact. It, it's just clearly... I mean, you know from the title what it's doing, right? This is a movie that is It's a Wonderful Life with a slasher element, which can I just say I'm sick of the slasher uh, being treated this way? I feel like they all now are afraid to be real slashers. They have to have like an ironic layer of detachment and they have to have some sort of high concept like freaky or totally killer. Um, and now this one where it's It's a Wonderful Life. She wishes she wasn't there. And she gets her wish, but that also has implications for some fucking serial killer plot that really sucks. And she knows who the killer is, but no one believes her. And Justin Long is doing like a performance that's all teeth. It's all prosthetic teeth. That's the whole performance. I like him a lot. And I love that he loves the horror genre, but he didn't didn't do anything for me here. And this movie would be okay for me if it just had like fun kills or something it's a slasher but all the kills are very uninspired and every single one looks like it was done entirely in post with bad cgi stab wounds and blood and it just looks like shit i have like nothing to recommend about this movie nothing left nothing's left but a a very badly thought out it's a wonderful life knockoff that as everyone else has pointed out they made up (laughs) It seems like they made it up after they made the, the title. It, yeah. I don't have much to say. What do you think about this movie? I don't have much to say either, except that I don't even think it establishes itself as a It's a Wonderful Life parody or satire or homage even well enough yeah. to be what it's trying to it's be. It's amateur because... hour, right? It looks so cheap, too. It's not a it's not an, it's a very cheap movie. Yeah. So it's so it's so weird that they they do acknowledge the existence, obviously, of It's a Wonderful Life. One character references uh, George and Clarence at one point, and that's it. That's the only reference you would get. And you would think if you're doing this, the character who is stuck in this situation could explain, like, no, this, it's, a, it's a Wonderful Life situation that's going on here. Or something along those lines. At least make some direct connection to it within the movie so that it could be funny and we could see the connections and the parallels, but there are no connections and parallels except that she imagines herself. She, she wishes she weren't born and wonders what the world would be like without her. And then she gets to see it. And it just turns out that a serial killer is going around and somehow nobody cares. It's the weirdest thing that I didn't quite get. And maybe it's a parody of, and a satire of the pandemic that people just eventually said, Oh, I guess, I guess thousands of people are dying oh, well, I guess we're going to go on with our lives. Maybe that's what's going on here, but it, that doesn't register. It, it just makes everyone in the movie look stupid. Um, there's a twist that makes absolutely no sense. I still don't understand what was going on with that, but I, it's, just, it's just dumb. It, it, feels, it feels like they barely came up with this. It, doesn't, it just feels like half-formed. Yeah. Yeah, it is half-formed. It's clearly yeah. half-formed. It's formed around... The title and it's formed around the kills, which you're dead on. They are uninspired. There's one sequence that's kind of neat where everything goes dark and it's using a camera flash to try to show, show things. Yeah. But it doesn't that doesn't work because it's, yeah, because it's, these it's visually incoherent. Yeah, these filmmakers are not good. I didn't like not, yeah. I didn't like this guy's tragedy girls from 2017. I haven't liked anything this guy's done really. And I, I see you haven't either. So uh yeah. 
Uh, I just don't but think this is there's really a lot of bad. It's really bad. It's amateur hour and all in all the ways it could be. The lead performance is fine. Like I feel bad for yeah. this girl. Uh, uh, I'm with you. I think it's a one star movie. Yeah, one star. I don't. It's yeah. It's too bad because at least at least the pun is kind of okay. But you can't <laughs> you can't make a movie out of a pun. You can't. No. People and have tried. heard Many it out loud. Again, heard it out loud. It is as bad as I thought it would be. <laughs> Brutal. It, it should lose. It should lose its star. But we'll we'll keep it. We'll be nice. Yeah, we'll keep it one star. <laughs> all right. Um, let's talk about A24's uh, All Dirt Roads, Taste of Salt, a writer director debut from Raven Jackson, who I think it's important to note is a poet because this movie is more a poem, a poem than a movie, in my opinion. Uh, here's the trailer. Not too quick. Tighten it a little bit. Yeah. Slow, take time. Oh, in your hand, in your hand. Oh, in your hand. in your hand. Oh, in your hand. Take your time. So my enemies cannot hold now, now. me. There you go, there you go, there you go. Mark, I found this frustratingly inaccessible. I mean, it's very deliberately not following a typical narrative. It's very experimental in a lot of ways. But really, it's just a lot of shots of people's fucking hands. There's a five-minute hug. I swear to God, there's a five-minute hug in this movie where there's nothing else going on but a hug. It's definitely slow cinema, if you know what that means, uh, which I'm generally not a fan of. People keep a lot of people will call it a tone poem. Uh, I just I'm I guess it's one of those movies where I'm jealous of the people who got something out of this because I was like searching, and it's so ambitious, but it just didn't resonate with me in any way. What did you think about it? It resonated with me as an experiment. It is clearly about hands, which is and but I but here's the thing. I'm okay with that. It's about hands. I don't want to. I'm gonna start quoting a song here, and I'm not going to do it. It's about hands, reaching out and touching people and figuring. I don't touching do me, it touching you. Yeah, we all start singing. It Wouldn't just, that be fun? It, it would be fun, but that was the song that kept coming to mind every time there was a shot of hands on the screen, and that was too bad because there's a lot of those shots. There's but, a song called "Hands" by the Racketeers that I kept thinking of, so that's funny. Okay, there we go. <laughs> but I, it did make me think about how much we take touch for granted as a sense. Like you think of memory, and this is very Damn, much about dude, memory this sounds, too. This sounds like Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> I know. Like, it made I, me no, think no. of hands and. It made, <laughs> It made me think. It just made me think about that. Like, and how much of our lives and how much of how we communicate yeah. with people is through touch. And I, yeah. you know, we take it for granted. Most of our sure. memories are visual or well, oral or, you know, her representation of memory is interesting. I'll give it. Yes. That. Like, yeah. yes. The movie does feel like you're watching someone, you're living someone else's memories and how memories aren't focused linearly or narratively. They're focused on moments and certain random details i think that's interesting but like there there's nothing to grasp onto here am i wrong like i there's nothing no i think there's 
No, I think there are things to grasp uh, onto because it is like the relationships between the sisters, that romance, that teenage romance that fails and it leads to that five minute hug, which is, yes, it's a five minute or so hug. And it's it's that. But it's it's interesting because you're watching these hands touching and caressing. And then you hear the sound of how that how that hug evolves over that amount of time and what it's communicating through that. Are you guys I, hearing you this? Look, Are you, you hearing skeptical. this guy? Are you hearing this shit, everybody? Oh my okay. god! No, this if we can watch Rooney Mara eat a pie for ten minutes, <laughs> we can watch two people hug for five. Okay, <laughs> we can do that. It's possible, and you can find meaning in it. I found a little bit of meaning I, in that see, hug. I don't have the. I, it's it's a. I'm telling you now. It's like a flaw I have as a person that I like. I know there are audiences that will like this, but I'm a part of the audience that just will never get something like this because when you give me that much time a five minute hug i'm fucking thinking about the grocery list that i need to put together <laughs> like i my brain just move like i have like add or, or something i have some sort of something where my brain is doing too many things thinking about too many things where i need the movie to like be engaging so i don't think about oh, no I, so no, like, I do that yeah my most, I think, I think I I counted ceiling tiles during the first Transformers movie because I was so <laughs> bored. And that was during the action yeah. sequences. Yeah. I get that. My brain yeah. wanders if I'm not if the what's on screen isn't engaging me. Yeah. And this this engaged me enough that I was finding some connection to these characters and finding some connection to that idea of touch as a as a as a uh, vehicle for memory and what it means in terms of human relationship and human contact. I was having those thoughts while I was watching it. I'm what my big thing is. There's no eureka moment for me in this film. There's nothing no. that is like, oh, this is what it's about. This is the big thing. It is really just about touch and relationships. And there's this whole melodramatic subplot with the romance going on that doesn't. It goes somewhere. It, it leads up to the big thing that's going on. The, uh, this other relationship that happens, but it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't say it feels, much of anything. It feels very personal. And yeah, to the point that it's inaccessible, like and completely vague. And, you know, it's nice to look at. It's well shot. But I think I saw some of Letterboxd say, like, meaning for one does not mean equal meaning for all. And I'm like, oh, cool. I like that because I have no idea what I'm supposed to get from this. I mean, I'm glad you got you got something from it. You came something from it about hands like like (laughs) the coolest thing on earth. I love that. We have hands. We should appreciate them. I'm going to be looking at my hands all day. Uh, now, like I'm on acid. Or I mean, I definitely was staring at my hands while I was typing the review out. I was like, "Oh, look at that! Look at how they're they're just naturally flowing to the right keys." I just, you know, take it for granted that that's just something that happens. Like it's just begging you to discern meaning from shots of hands, and I'm just like, "Okay, well, I'm hungry, and Burger King's a few blocks away, so maybe I'll get that <laughs> for lunch." Uh, so I'm sorry to be dismissive. Uh, I just didn't. It didn't work for me. I'm acknowledging that it might work for others who are into this sort of thing it's very artful i guess it's one of those art art house movies that a younger me would say is like a parody of an art house movie that like an unsuspecting film goer would watch and then go fucking art house movies are crazy like i'm never watching one of those again those are boring um so yeah i'm one and a half unfortunately it feels really mean but i just got nothing out of it it yeah, should, I'm two I should say two, but I'll just stick with my gut. Yeah, no, it's fine. You gotta be honest. <laughs> gotta be honest about your reaction. Yeah. I'm, I'm two and a half. Um, yeah, again, just it I don't think there's much to it. 
And that's too bad because it is an interesting experiment of just looking at like the tactile nature of life. It's interesting, but not interesting enough, I think. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> interesting, but not interesting enough. But not enough. Two, two and a half for you. Um, it's just so fucking oblique. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't deal with it. Um, all right, let's talk about share. Um, uh, share? Question mark. Share. It's meant to evoke. Like, do you want to share this post online? That is what I would say. The share means not like Sunny and share. Share? Question mark. Here's the trailer. Make sure your heat is low. This lovely ladder pattern. You're going to want to do a little cat. Hello? Hello, what's going on? Is anybody here? Hello? Did something happen to me? Is, is this some kind of test? Is what you want? Is what you want, huh? This is dog food? You think this is funny? You want to see me break? Ah! Hey, can you help me? Help! Who are you? I'm a dude in a room talking to a dude in a room. What is this? I like that Steven Soderbergh said this movie was impressive AF. I don't know if I would go that far. I think you like this more than I did. But I did appreciate it as a very straightforward satire about our extremely online culture where we all kind of live our lives online in public and kind of perform for everybody. Um, I think it just, it just has one idea and it, it only explores that it, well, I guess that's not true. I guess it ends up being like a movie about the power of collective action and unionizing and stuff like that. But uh, why don't you describe what it actually is? Yeah, so it is about a guy who's in a room. He wakes up there. He doesn't know how he got there. He just has like a memory of, I think, walking his dog and then suddenly waking up in this stone room with a shower and a toilet, and that's it. And has to figure out. Oh, and a computer monitor, obviously a computer, a computer, because we're watching him literally through the screen of the monitor, and that's that's the only shot in the movie. Uh, you see a bunch of different characters, but they're in the same sort of room. But every shot is through that screen, and we are watching it. And I mean, it's on the nose. It's on the nose. It's about it, you're yeah. right about being online. It's about social media. It's I think it's specifically about YouTube. It is yeah. specifically YouTube about the YouTube or like community, Twitch or something, where you're just like, oh, TikTok. Yeah. yeah, yeah, constant. Like, well, actually, those very specific like NPC TikToks that the people were doing, where you could just be like, say it, like press a button and I'll make a noise type of shit. But yeah, this is very much like eating dog food for for people's entertainment and farting and stupid shit like that. But yeah, it's definitely trying to evoke that very yeah. obvious and yeah. it is literally what you see is what you get and what you get is what you're supposed to take away from it and i'm okay with that because it did get me to start thinking about how much i think they're called parasocial relationships where yes. you develop a relationship with a person on a screen who is yes. far away and has no connection to you at like all several listeners have with us presumably yeah i would hope so i mean <laughs> yes i would hope so it's okay we're we're cool we're, we're fine. Nice. We don't yeah, bite. We're not. Yeah, we don't. We're fine. But it did get me thinking about all that stuff. And I, I enjoyed it because it is saying exactly what it wants to say, which is that this stuff is dangerous and it's bad and it can have terrible consequences. Yeah. Of becoming reliant upon that and and not seeing 
what the world has to offer because you think everything that the world has to offer is just in this little space and on a screen. Yes. And I imagine this was a COVID movie. I imagine this was oh, shot yeah. during the during lockdowns because it's, it is the perfect setup for that. And it's barely 70 minutes, which I appreciated also. Yes. Look, I mean, I appreciated the the limit like making the limits of the the smallness of the movie like part and parcel like the idea that we're all just living in like our own little cube and like only performing online and not doing anything else it is compelling and it works and it evokes covid and other things um but to me it's just too redundant and it just keeps doing the same thing and you know everything's a little too obvious and it's a little too obvious a little too redundant and there's just not enough to sustain even that 70 minutes, I feel like. I feel like I, I, I got it. Like, yes, currency is entertainment. Making people laugh is like key or whatever. Going viral and celebrities, the only commodity that matters. It's just very obvious. And like, you know, you start farting for a living online. Eventually, you could become like Joe Rogan or Jordan Peterson or whatever. Like, I appreciate the like sardonic ribs. It's, you know, ribbing or whatever, elbowing. But it just didn't. I don't know. It, it it's very limited perspective from that one shot of the screen. It just it didn't do enough for me to like get too excited about it. I'm like borderline recommending it. Like I'm two and a half on this. I think it's kind of cool, but my walk away takeaway was like I think it would have worked better as like a Black Mirror episode or something like an like a sixty minute. <laughs> experience but i mean that's basically what it, it basically, is you're right because, it basically is a black I, mirror episode <laughs> i thought it was funny because i didn't want to say it in my review but i i when after i watched it, i'm like oh that was probably a better black mirror episode than a lot of black mirror episodes yes. recently i so i was i was on board with it because it does i think it has some stuff to say i don't i I get that you think it gets redundant. I understand that. But you also brought up the whole idea of community action and all that. It does go other places. It isn't just about the entertainment uh, function of this. It is about the possibility of change. Whether or not we actually take advantage of that is the big question the movie has. And I think it has a really good punchline at the end. It does. Um, It does. Yeah. It's quick and dirty. It's fine. I I respect the three. I respect your three. Cool. Cool. Good. And I respect your two and a half because I do get it. It is very limited and it is very on the nose. But I was in a mood, I guess, for that. And I think it functions and it works and it's fun for and it has some things to say that I appreciated. All right. Well, now let's there get back go. to completely agreeing. Let's talk about <laughs> Your Lucky Day, starring the late Angus Cloud. This is America. America don't care how you get your money. Just keep thinking about that old question. What would you do if you had a million dollars? Wow. <laughs> You're a winner. Wow. You're 56 Wow. Give me that ticket right now! 156 million! Give me that ticket right now! Take it, take it! Police! That's what we're gonna do. Turn off the lights. Seems fun enough, right? No. It runs out of steam immediately, and I feel like it also is a movie that had a good like log line or first act, and then didn't know what to do. 
Uh, this was terrible, huh? Yeah, I really hated this, and it's kind of surprising because it seems up my alley. It's a very minimalistic thriller in a mostly a single location with a gimmicky premise, but I didn't buy it for a second. I didn't buy yeah. any of this, and yeah. I don't know if that was just me missing something or no. me being a bad no i just i i didn't buy it i didn't buy the i didn't buy the initial premise which is this low low-end drug dealer getting robbed and stumbling into a convenience store and he goes robbed but apparently the only thing he had left was his gun which is what he needs to have the plot happen yeah and having this guy this well-to-do guy apparently traveled to the worst part of town because there is no one else around there is no one in this area yeah with a bunch of lottery tickets, realizing that he won the 150 million plus jackpot and proudly announcing it to everybody. I, yeah. The guy is uncomfortable with everyone in that room. And then he doesn't even think like, oh, maybe this isn't the best idea, even in a good part of town to announce that I just well, have 150 million dollars in my hands. It is so I, I didn't buy any of it. And it's not it's just because that guy is set up as being so awful. Yeah, that you know what's going to happen, and you know well, that it's no, oh, it, it's bad, and it's just about it's it's because it tries to be so deep about society. It's trying so hard to like say something, <sighs> and it really just fucking fails. Like it's about it's not just about need being poor and wanting to win the lottery. It's about like the groupthink in that situation and how they want to blame a random don't they want to blame a random black guy that doesn't exist and like yeah. take, take the money and there's all this like it's trying to be deep and it's not because it's a dumb movie because it can't decide whether it wants to be a thriller i think it tries to be funny at certain points it just you know though they talk about trying to desecrate corpses and shit they're talking about putting yeah. it on. it's just like, like the woman the one the one character you don't expect to know about that stuff the pregnant woman who is there because you know she has cravings for some ice cream is the one who knows exactly how you would dispose of a body like okay whatever yeah. i guess that's a thing that happens in this movie um it's trying to be like but, america doesn't care how you got your money everybody cheats uh you know goes to jail poor people with public defenders like fair enough whatever it's just trying yeah. to it's just it's saying every it's saying all the quiet parts out loud about what it's doing and then the movie itself again i feel like it has nowhere to go from the setup it's just like they're just kind of stuck in a store and everything about it is predictable including like corrupt cop elements and oh god make a hero out of this fucking ghoul i where i feel like I don't know. It just it just sucks. I, it, it sucks. It yeah, it fails on so many levels, mainly as a thriller. I I just yeah. having all of that that situation set up in that way. I I can just I have this idea right off the top of my head. And I'm not trying to say that this is a better option, but I'm wondering would it have worked better if the guy realized he won the lottery and then had a heart attack and died on the floor. Yeah. And then they had to re try to think, yeah, what do we do with all this? Yeah. Cause there's nothing sympathetic about these characters. As soon as the one guy kills somebody. Yeah. Um, exactly. And, are, and uh, you think he kills somebody and it doesn't, it doesn't work. He's trying to rob this guy in broad, not in broad daylight, but in this, in the store with a bunch of witnesses around and you know, it's not going to work. And the movie keeps telling you, this isn't going to work. This isn't can't a, work. Isn't there a part where a guy sings a song and it's supposed to be emotional? Did I make that up? It's a it's an emotional tell. I think he's 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 trying to communicate secretly that something is wrong, and it is also supposed to be a, an emotional beat. And yeah, it doesn't. 
work. <laughs> yeah, this movie sucks. Imagine if that little Bow Wow movie lottery ticket was a thriller, but wasn't was bad. That's my that's my fun logline for that movie. Uh, it sucks. Do you have anything else to it, say it about does. it? No, I don't. It's in yeah those elements of trying to add social commentary. The movie literally opens with a preface that says "based on the American Dream," and I kind of. Scoff. That might have that might Immediate have prejudiced my, my thoughts because yeah. I'm like, oh, here here you have your grand design and your grand theme put right there. And I, what if winning the lottery brought you bad things and not good things? What a novel idea! <laughs> Very interesting. Uh, oh, what brother. if stealing the lottery, winning lottery ticket brought you bad things and not good things? Who the fuck gets? Unbelievable. Uh, Unbelievable. I'm good with one and a half. I don't know why that, oh. that half is even there, but. I don't, yeah, I'm giving it one. I don't know what the half's there either, but that's fine. Uh, I'll be nice. Angus Cloud's dead. There you go. Let's be nice. Extra half star for the late, the late Angus Cloud. Um, all right. Thanks for listening to Roger Ebert and me, a weekly movie review tribute to Siskel and Ebert. We'll be back next week with way too many goddamn movies. Uh, way too many. I have an insane week. My daughter's not going to recognize me afterwards. I have so many movies. All right. Bye. The show starts in one...
Go on. 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 Go on.